Hello again to the listeners of Rare Bird Radio. My name is JJ Anselmi, and I'm the author of Heavy, a memoir of Wyoming, BMX, drugs, and heavy fucking music, which Rare Bird recently published. Today, I'm psyched to be talking with Sean madigan Hayne, the author of the amazing book Songs Only You Know, uh, which was definitely a big influence uh, for Heavy. So how's it going, Sean? Not too bad. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Um, yeah, it's like that we could finally make this happen. Um, so I wanted to uh, tell readers um, just about when I saw you that at that reading at uh, AWP in Seattle. Um, and so I was drafting heavy at the time. And uh, I remember you doing that reading about uh, chucking, I think it was, a, it was a Les Paul into a lake. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I was talking to you about Pantera, and you told me uh, you told me about something about seeing Pantera and having it carried out of the only time uh, you saw them. So I was wondering if you could uh, talk about that to get things started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I wouldn't say I, I um, would make an endorsement for Pantera in in this day and age, but you know when I was younger, for sure. uh, um, um, yeah, I, I couldn't drive. I know it was that much, but you know my, my first the first show I ever saw was Fugazi, so but it, so it must have been sometime after that. But um, somehow got a ride down to the State Theater in Detroit um, to see. Pantera, which were like, you know, at, at that time, it, it just, it, it seemed like the angriest thing going. Um, but I had mono. Um, I'd been bedridden for like a day, for like a week, um, really sick. And in a way, like I never really recovered. I never just had that uh, youthful uh, skip in my step again after that sickness. Actually, so I was really sick, but I needed to go down to the show and um, I was feeling pretty good. Um while it was happening and then, you know, it being like 1993 or whatever, crowd surfing was all the rage and, and, um, I just had to get up also like a Pantera, you know, um, pit in like 1993 was like terrifying for like 160 pound, you know, a 14 year old. Um, but I, I got up, did the crowd surfing, came over and the minute I came over the, the barricade, um, I could barely walk. <laughs> And I was just, uh, I knew I was going down and, um, uh, I threw up all over myself. And as I was passing out, I, I saw my friend and then the next thing I know, I woke up and like, there's like an infirmary at, uh, at the, uh, you know, the, the venue or whatever with a few nurses on staff. I was, uh, you know, just coming to, and there were all the guys back there just like been, had their nose broken in the, in the pit or whatever. And they had to call my parents. So yeah, that was, uh, that was Pantera for me. Um, Heavy, heavy music story. Yeah, why did you, uh, you had some show-going experiences uh, in your past? Um, I've never seen Pantera. When I was really getting into them in high school, that was when they had already, um, I don't think they had officially broken up, but still, you know, was kind of being drunken still and, you know, being belligerent in the media at that time. That was when he was, kind of talking shit on Dimebag and he said something about him wanting to, or how Dimebag deserved to get, um, 
beaten severely, I think was the clone. Um, and so that was, you know, kind of like the final nail in their relationship. So no, I never got to see Pantera, but I've seen, um, Phil and his other bands, uh, probably the closest thing, I think to the energy of Pantera was seeing a super joint ritual, which has, uh, Hank Williams, the third, um, and Jimmy Bauer from I hate God. So definitely, a uh, you know, honky band. Um, but, um, yeah, that was super gnarly. I did a little meet and greet with those guys at Ozfest and was just super psyched to get their autographs. And I just remember seeing Jimmy Bauer and Hank three and they were just so fucking gone. Just, you know, whatever stuff they'd been doing on tour. Um, seemed like they'd been partying pretty hard the previous night. Uh, but nothing, nothing near your Pantera story. That's an awesome story. I was thinking while you were telling it um, about Randy Bly, the singer from Lamb of God and him getting arrested in uh, Czech Republic after a kid had a kid was crowd surfing and suffered a head injury and died shortly afterward. Oh, man. Um, yeah, that's terrible. One, yeah, yeah, it is terrible. It's a Super tragic. It was. It's a really interesting story, though. Um, Randy tells it in his book. But anyway, I wanted to uh, talk to you about, um, you know, just your trajectory of getting into metal and hardcore. Um, and so that seems like a really cool mix, you know, like seeing Fugazi and then Pantera. And I can kind of see. I mean, it's kind of strange, but it also makes a lot of sense having listened to. Uh, your band, Thoughts of Ionesco. So I was just wondering what other bands first got you into aggressive music? Um, I was actually never really a big metal guy so much other than when I was a kid um, mm-hmm. in the Midwest, you know, like all you could really get your hands on. I, I just, you know, wanted the wildest stuff I could. And so it started with like the, the thrash bands. Um, um, but uh, once I found like uh, more of the hardcore stuff. It was always kind of, uh, you know, directed at that or some of the more, you know, uh, artistically oriented bands, I guess, of the, of the time. Um, but, uh, for me, it was, a it was a pretty like isolated endeavor. Um, and like the SST mail order catalog, it was, you know, the internet was going, I think, but you know, people weren't really using it like they are now. So I was ordering a lot of records, from SST, you know, just the, the staples like Black Flag and Bad Brains and yeah, um, all that stuff. They had like Dinosaur Jr., Sonic Youth, all that stuff was on SST. Um, all those bands were, a lot of those bands were already broken up, but um, it was through that. And then I, um, uh, I had no idea about like, uh, you know, the, uh, the circuit or anything like that until I found some house shows in Detroit and that was sort of my, my way into playing with other people and getting a band going and everything. I think the reason thoughts of Ionesco sounded so, uh, heavy was our, our drummer. Um, like the only re- the only way he would play with me is if it was like tuned to B. Uh, okay. and, um, and, uh, and then when the two of us got together, cause he was just a, a maniac, 
and I had some stuff going on and I, I could certainly tap into like that, just that psychotic energy. And, um, I, it was really, I think just the way we, we played together, you know, and then, and then it yeah. did become about like, what is the most, what is the heaviest thing we can make given what we, um, are working with. Um, yeah, but I really liked, uh, you know, this band Craw from Cleveland. They were like really heavy, but really smart and yeah. spooky and weird. Um, but I was never like really a big metal, metal guy, um, uh, so much. But there's some things I like. Like I love listening to Dave Lombardo's drums. I, I just, I, I just, yeah, I listen, listen to those recordings and just focus right in on him. I think there's like, I, I'm real, I'm fascinated by like the genius that pops out of, of those different genres, you know, here and there, there's just some, someone working in it in a really interesting way. So yeah, that was kind of my relationship to it. Um, but I was more in like the mid period black flag kind of thing, like my war and all that. That was sort of my sweet spot when I was a kid. Okay. Yeah. I remember, um, you kind of laying out that trajectory and, uh, songs only, you know, um, but yeah, I love as you're talking, I was just kind of, uh, to me, like I, when I listened to your band, I immediately thought of uh, like Coalesce and uh, like Jesus. Oh, we used to play with those guys a lot. Yeah, we played okay. with Coalesce a lot. Does a lot. Yeah. Oh damn, yeah. that's Jesus. Uh, I love, I love the Jesus. Episode. I love, the, I love that guitar work. I used to go to see them all yeah. the time. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, I was just thinking about the descriptions of your drummer too in the book and just, you know, the phrase kind of barely controlled chaos seems to me like, I mean, you make it really clear. So yeah, it wasn't metal necessarily, but it was, you know, just hyper aggressive, but smart. So yeah, I really like that description. Um, so could you talk yeah, about, yeah, I guess what with heavy music, you know, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I always really, I don't know about you, but um, I never really went for, like, the tough sky thing and all that, but I liked it when it was, like, um, just um, unhinged, someone, like, having a, an emotional fit, you know? Uh, that was yeah. really the stuff that I was attracted to. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, that, yeah, the, the drummer I played with him just really brought that out. Um, yeah, yeah. And that, that's what I like about that kind of music. The more the more the exorcism than like the you know, kind of throwing the elbows in the mosh pit kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, that was kind of had the same experience. It was. I mean, it wasn't. You know, I'm from a tiny town, and so Pantera and Slayer and stuff like that. It was just like you said. It was like the gnarliest shit that I knew of at the time. Um, but, you know, once I kind of discovered the kind of hyper machismo and shit like that of metal, it just really turned me off and I found myself, you know, gravitating to the more kind of outsider stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I was always wondering, uh, um, so where did the name of your band came from? Um, uh, that came from, um, I remember where I was when I came up with it. Actually, I, I was uh, in a hotel room. I was like 17 or 18 years old in a hotel room alone, and we had already recorded our first um, 
uh, demo, which would be put on a record, you know, just a in and out one day kind of thing. But um, in that world, you make a record of that, you know, like a six hour session. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. But uh, <laughs> we've been called we've been called Triptych because we were a three piece, and then we're like, well, what if we want to add more people? So we needed a new name. And I, was, I was reading this Henry Miller collection of essays called um, The Angel. No, uh, Stand Still Like the Hummingbird. And there's a really great essay about Eugene Ionesco in there um, and about just how he subverted language and everything. And I became really attracted to Ionesco. And then one of the other guys said we should put thoughts up in front of it. And yeah, that was it. Um, no one ever knew what it was or how to say it right. Uh, so we yeah. people just called us Ionesco. We just kind of let it go. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's uh, that's how I thought it was pronounced. I'm glad uh, you corrected me, but that's really interesting. And, yeah, again, just kind of makes sense with, like, I don't know, flipping kind of what people expect even from music in general, you know, like rather than it's kind of like, oh, I want to turn on, turn on the radio and listen to a song to make me feel good. It's just basically the opposite, you know, kind of anxiety inducing type stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so another part of your book that really stood out to me was uh, just uh, all the dis- different descriptions of um, playing live. I think that's, you know, I think it's a hard thing for writers to nail, but you definitely really capture those experiences. And so I was wondering if you could tell us about one show that, seems particularly crazy in retrospect. Um, yeah, you know, I, my book was like 600 pages or something at one point, just it had a lot of ex- additional stuff in that I knew I'd have to pull out. And a lot of it was just, you know, there was so many, so much travel and shows. And I, I didn't really care about, <clears throat> at one point the name of the band wasn't even in the book. I was just more interested in trying to Describe the ecstatic experience of that kind of performance. Um, so I'm glad you know you liked it. Um, but uh, a show that was met, I, I, I kind of say it facetiously when people ask like, "What's your favorite show you ever played?" Um, but one that that didn't put in the book, even though I think it represents like the band's ethic more than any other show. We were playing in, in Philadelphia in a house. Real, real grind, maybe somewhere outside of Philadelphia, I think. Maybe it was somewhere. I can't even remember where it was. No, it was in New Jersey, actually. And um, grimy little house. And, uh, you know, these sometimes you just get thrown on a, band, a bill with bands you didn't sound anything like. And um, yeah. so we'd, we'd driven, like, from wherever we were on the road. Um, and uh, I was, again, I was sick. And um, uh, we went down and to play in this grimy little basement and um within maybe like 20 seconds uh cleared the whole room out so we were just literally playing for ourselves in like a like a puke stained basement and i i just remember like uh, unspokenly between the three of us um we just decided we were going to play harder than we'd ever played uh, and we just went crazy to ourselves uh, to the point where I was like just throwing up on the floor and then just packed our mm. stuff up and left. <laughs> I think that's what it was really, really about for us. It was like, 
we just wanted to uh, feel it and get weird, you know, it was really, and we kind of liked that, and we had this pride, and like, yeah, it was the best show we've ever played, which is, you know, so like, there's just stuff like that that's pretty funny, you know, um, but uh, I learned, I, I think I learned a lot from that, too, in terms of just like, you know, doing your doing your work for yourself, you know, um, just, to, sure. just, to, just to get there and feel it, so yeah, stuff like that, I mean, were you playing in bands when you were, um, uh, you know, younger, uh, playing around and all that? Um, yeah, I mean, I was really focused on BMX. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, right. And, stuff. And, and so that was mostly, yeah. Um, but then I did, you know, I always played the drums. Um, I'd usually just play one in my basement. I always wanted to start like a sludge metal band. Um, you know, it sounds like I hate God, but never didn't know anybody in my hometown. Um, and then, you know, in my twenties, I early twenties got sick of the constant injury aspect of BMX. And so focused a lot more on music and I've just been, you know, steadily playing in bands throughout the years. Uh, the first really good band I was in, um, or like band that, I kind of knew, like, yeah, I'm really proud of this music. I'm going to be proud of it for a long time. Um, There's this band in Colorado called uh, Distera. Um, And it was just um, really, I don't know, our kind of idea was just to mix, like, every subgenre of hardcore and metal that we kind of could. So there was some super fast, like, power violence, grindcore stuff in there mixed with like you know just really sludgy doomy slow parts and weird timings and shit like that um so definitely influenced by the kind of you know like 90s weird punk metalcore shit that you guys are part of um but yeah i mean and as far as shows i've played a few kind of gnarly ones um I mean, one that stands out to me really is I'm, uh, I don't know, I was thinking about like one memorable show. Um, and I mean, it's really regrettable, but it's just kind of a lesson in like what can go wrong in a band relationship type thing. And so it was that same band and uh, love the music, but just kind of realized, you know, fairly quickly halfway through that me and the singer just had really clashing personalities and um, we started getting like super passive aggressive with each other and practice and um, just escalated and escalated. And I mean, at one point it was just like, I'd kind of go in there and I think both of us were doing it, like trying to plan, you know, some really subtle cutting comment to say to the other person and, like maybe to me it was ideal like if he wouldn't realize until later that I was talking shit but this is constant one-upping and you know like I said regrettable experience and so of course I mean I was just super stubborn and immature so you know in retrospect I would have just dealt with it straightforwardly and talked to him but it was built up and built up and I decided I had to quit the band at some point um, but of course Again, being stubborn and fucking immature and hard-headed, I uh, at the show that was going to be that I decided was going to be my last one. I, you know, felt like I had to say one last thing to him, 
and I can't really remember what I said before the show, but he had realized that I was talking shit to him, basically, and then um, on the stage, he was doing the same thing, but my family was there, and he was just saying, like, um, he made one comment that was kind of, like, um, indirectly insulting my mom during the beginning oh. of the show, and I was kind of seeing red, and then he made another one right after we started the song, and I, you know, it was just, like, one of those all-red moments, like, no logic whatsoever, and so... Um, you know, the next thing I remember, I was just like up for my drum kit, just fucking punching him on the, in the face repeatedly on stage and we got broken up. Um, and we just turned into a whole, you know, like Jerry Springer style shit show from there. Um, uh, yeah, you don't talk about someone's mom on stage though. That's, that's a, that's a terrible move. Yeah. I mean, really the, things I would change is dealing with the situation before, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, yeah you, there, there's, you know, there's like certain things that will always press your buttons. It's definitely one of those things. And so cops came and, um, I hurried and packed my shit up and left before they got there and thought I made it out cleanly. But, um, I, I found out a year later that there was a warrant out for my arrest. Uh, because my sister got pulled over when some cop ran the license, her license plate. And, um, so yeah, I found out that I had the warrant and had to do some time in a work release facility for a few weeks <laughs> to pay. Oh, wow. Tenants. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I mean, I got off, you know, really lucky. I can't remember what the charge was exactly, but it's, not on my record anymore. Um, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically like back the worst to show. Huh? Yeah, man. Yeah. All goes back to that show. I, um, not that I ever want to fight anybody, but I can, you know, get in a, another fight or it will be a felony charge. And, um, yeah, <laughs> it was a whole fucking mess. So, I mean, basically yeah. from that experience, you know, Tommy, just, you know, band, a band relationship, as you know, it's like any other relationship. You have to deal with shit as it comes up or it's just going to boil over at some point. And so after that, I pretty much made it a point to only have uh, healthy band relationships and deal with shit when we need to. And um, so, yeah, I've been, I've played in a few other bands I've been psyched on throughout the years. Right now I'm playing in this uh Super heavy, uh, we call it, it's just like um, weird sludge metal kind of with a bunch of odd timings and spacey parts, kind of like Neurosis plus, uh, I don't know, Hum or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, the guitarist just plays this uh, six string or Thunder six string bass through just like this silly gratuitous setup. Um, it's super fun. We're uh, actually recording this weekend, so I'm pretty excited. <laughs> oh, cool. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, but yeah, to go back um, to the different stuff, you're talking about that you, always, that you got from 
uh, playing in your band. Uh, the term uh, catharsis kept coming up for me. He said, you know, kind of as if this release and really tapping into this kind of pure emotional energy. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that. About that experience? Um, yeah, the kind of catharsis aspect of it. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I mean, that particular project, I mean, I was, I was in it from when I was 18 and then the last last time we played was my 22nd birthday. So, I mean, I I teach kids that age, not kids, you know, young adults, undergrads that age now, and I see them and, you know, sometimes they're quite sophisticated and worldly, but, but other times it's also like I realize how little they've seen uh, of the world, you know, and um, end of life and love and all that stuff. So um, at that particular time, uh, you know, there were there were just no inhibitions for me. I, I, you know, it's such righteous, not maybe confidence isn't the word, but just um, uh, no second guessing anything that was going on or, you know, where my life was going to be and, you know, a month from that time. It was just so in the moment and really believed in the mission of this, you know, little thing we were doing driving around in, in a van, you know, thinking it was the most important thing in the universe. Uh, so, so those were the conditions yeah. to get into that state. Um, but when, you know, we were also just really looking for those times when um, it would all click and uh you know we started putting these kind of improv sections into the music just so we wouldn't even have to worry about what we were actually playing and just really try to get into that um ecstatic state um and uh, i do remember just almost like a white light um effect where i would just come to um you know after different parts or sometimes after like the whole set and, um, uh, you know, I think I, I still sort of try to achieve that in, in, you know, much, much different ways. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think it did something to me where I'm, I'm just, uh, I know what that feels like and I, I seek it through, through, through art and other kinds of intensities now, you know? Um, but it was, uh, yeah, I feel like you can, if you can, if you can really, really get there, you know, um, a special thing, so I'm I'm grateful to it for that, you know. Yeah. So, uh, what do you mean, like speaking out out in uh, different ways now? Can you give a example? What What's that? Um, you say seeking out that kind of same relief, but in different ways now. So I was wondering if you could uh, talk more about that or give an example. Oh. Um... Well, I went on to play a much different type of music, um, um, you know, just really kind of somber um, and, and just emoting in a different way. And, uh, you know, that would that, that could be a, a sort of similarly, similarly transcendent state. But, um, you know, um, through meditation or even uh, my writing process is at its best when I, you know, kind of look up from the screen three hours later and I have absolutely no idea like uh you know where I've been other than because you know I've been in the in the work um and I I just feel like that comes from um 
comes, I'm, I'm able to get there uh, maybe in, in particular ways because of, uh, you know, what I, that gestalt effect I learned through playing that kind of music, you know? Um, but I don't necessarily yeah, yeah, think it has, has to be like a full, you know, full volume, uh, sweaty freak out. But uh, I do sometimes crave that. I'm just like, man, I kind of wish I could do do that again sometime. But it just it really isn't feasible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, or whatever, romance, real you know, romance. I'm not going to lie about it. You know, I'm just trying to get, get somewhere with that, you know, the physicality of that, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's, I mean, it was, uh, it was a while ago that I read your book, but, um, I seem to remember part of it when you kind of realize that, you know, at least with, with that music and, you know, just that super aggressive kind of chaotic hardcore, you, you realize that the anger in it wasn't, you know, wasn't maybe the best thing for you at the time. Um, yeah, you know, that's kind of like in, in ways that, you know, important part of my book, it's not really just about the music, but the whole worldview. I mean, I was just extremely angry. I had a pretty sick, domineering, drug addicted father, which, you know, you, you know something about. And, um, uh, and, um, uh, I was really, and I was really alienated from just the, the, the type of people I grew up around in, in Midwest, you know, America. And, uh, you know, I was super just pissed off and we were really antagonistic and, uh, kind of began like living, living that pose a little bit to the point where it kind of just became this thing you were like sort of, um, poisoning yourself to be. I, I wasn't even a very likable person. It might've been interesting to someone who would come and see it on a stage, but you know, and then you add the, the drugs and alcohol and all that stuff, but it was really after my sister died. Um, all that stuff just immediately seemed completely ridiculous and silly and useless to me. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. you realize how, um, how, uh, expansive life and human connectivity and uh, expression can be. And then to be like, this kind of like, you know, narrow down into this, like, thing of like anger and you know oh i'm crazy and all that stuff um it just yeah. immediately had absolutely no currency to me whatsoever so um yeah but you know and then later i figured out you know how to maybe incorporate into the whole picture of something but um yeah like right after that happened i just it it, it never had the same um appeal to me in any way um i just didn't have it in me anymore actually so yeah that was my experience with it you know but um I have friends who still play that kind of music, you know, pushing 40 or whatever, and you go see them, they're kind of tapping into that, and they say it, they get off doing it, and, you know, that's that's great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's uh, really, I think, fair and well-rounded um, explanation of it. Um, so I'm always curious, you know, especially with somebody like you, you are so dedicated to that specific, you know, art form. And so I guess you kind of hit on it anyway. So I was wondering, you know, at what point did you start to gravitate more toward writing and uh, music? Um, hmm. I had a little burst of writing in my early 20s where I, I, I really got into it. I, I liked the solitary nature of it, you know, and 
I was reading some stuff that was really, you know, inspiring me. Um, you know, Carver, I was really into Norman Mailer when I was young. I just, this is just what I got my hands on. And, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, yeah, I had a little phase of like going, going at it pretty hard and that it wasn't really, uh, until I, I got, I got sober in my late, late 29, 30-ish, um, that my capacity to really read and absorb like, you know, um, novels and, and, you know, really extended, uh, pieces of work, um, Around that time, it just it, it, it just immediately became clear that that was just what I wanted to devote myself to was just um, uh, working in that medium and that form and figuring it out. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, I had I had another band after Thoughts of Ionesco that that <clears throat> that no one really remembers, but we we went and toured and everything. We had like a record deal and worked with a like this this kind of well-known like producer or whatever but those were kind of the darker days in ways because um a little older and like certain things with the chemical abuse was was worse and not really cool anymore and kind of all that stuff you were talking about with your you know bandmates the just the tension and just also just really like grasping for this if we can make this work for a living, then everything will be all right. And that just immediately makes it ugly. So I had a period of that too, that just really cured me of any sort of like delusion that I was going to, um, you know, have a sustainable lit, uh, life in music, I guess. Um, and now I just play to just to connect with my friends, you know? Okay. Um, what uh, style of stuff do you play now? Um, I'll write my own uh, songs at night sometimes, and a lot of friends come and record and play. I played in a secret band out here in Brooklyn. Our, our whole thing was we, we were gonna we, we would practice and, and get as absolutely tight as we could, and then would never tell anyone we played. Uh, so it was kind of a funny thing, you know. Um, uh, but that's over. We did that for about seven years. Um, uh, the band nobody ever heard. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, just weird things like that, you know, just trying to keep it just about the music, I guess. Um, I can't do any of that, like, um, Facebook promotional kind of stuff. I just don't have the capacity for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely is a big, um, you know, big part of it and see people who are good at it. It's definitely a skill in a lot of ways and, I've noticed it kind of comes more naturally to some people to where, like, you know, doing whatever kind of promotional stuff for a band seems kind of second yeah, nature. If you, but, if you have that guy in your ranks, it can really, um, that guy or girl in your band, uh, it really makes a difference. We, we we would always say, like, well, we need that guy in the band. We just don't have him, you know, so. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, some people just—it's just like their gift. They just—they just know how to how to do that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but I was wondering, uh, so uh, what type of music do you listen to now, or if there's any, you know, particularly out, particular albums that you've been kind of going back to lately, or uh, maybe listening to on repeat or anything like that. Um, my tastes are really all over the place. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really locked into genres so much as I just, I, I, I'm certain if just, I hear, if I hear something that sounds true to me, it doesn't really matter what, you know, what the, um, 
uh, aesthetics surrounding it are necessarily, you know. So um, I'm really all over the place. But um, um, what was I? I? I've been listening to Mark Lanigan uh, again this week. I really I like. He has this record called Bubblegum that um, just this really lonely, nocturnal, um, ragged little um, album. I, I I've been listening to that. Um, I listen to a lot of kind of weird expressive jazz just because it feels like really in that that moment um um particularly like the like late late 60s uh kind of really free stuff i'll I'll listen to that a lot um and uh yeah i don't know i'm really i'm really all over the place Uh, i'm trying to look i'm in my car here about what i've been listening to um uh tom waits here some lungfish um i was revisiting revisiting some massive attacks, PJ Harvey. Um, yeah, but, uh, nothing, you, you probably disappointed, nothing too, too, too heavy, too, too heavy these days. I'm real picky about, about the heavy stuff. Um, uh, but every once in a while, there'll be something I'll get real, real into. Um, um yeah, yeah, how about you? Example? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm kind of, lately I've found myself, uh, Cause I usually like to try and keep it pretty varied too, but uh, lately it's been either just like super aggressive, um, heavy shit. Um, I've been really into uh, Aaron Turner, the dude from ISIS, has this new band called Sumac, and it's uh, similar to that, but just really off the wall. I don't know, like I call him like Math Professor kind of layouts and shit like that, just really complex and uh, it's, you know, kind of a mental challenge to try and figure that shit out, even though I never can. Uh, and then just going back uh, that and then um, and going back and forth between that and, I don't know, like ASAP Rocky and getting into the whole trap uh, SoundCloud sound and um I don't know, you know, feeling conflicted kind of as a, I don't know, white, white man voyeur in some ways, but also just really intrigued by this movement and specifically, you know, just kind of as an internet movement, it seems so DIY and um, very punk rock in a lot of ways. And I think the shows are also like getting more and more punk and so kind of seeing that crossover between you know, rap and hip hop, but not in like a, you know, not like mm. or, uh, hip hop and hardcore, but not in like a, you know, new metal type way and much more organic, I think, in interesting way. And so, oh, um, cool. yeah, <laughs> a bunch of shit like that, man. Um, and so uh, I just wanted to finish up by uh, asking you uh, what you're working on writing wise, if you have anything in the works. Oh yeah, I have a pretty good first draft of a novel. Um, I'm, I'm working on pretty intensely. I have a whole bunch of short stories too, and some essays. But but you know, the novel is really at the center of my writing life. And um, you know, in some ways, I really struggled actually with um, me me personally with the, the the music connotations of my of my first book. Um, uh, I was really concerned that people were going to 
take it as like, oh, it's this this guy playing a band writing a book about that, which it wasn't really. It was just like this component of it, you know. It was more about like yeah. a, a young life. So, um, yeah, it just feels real nice to be working in 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 fiction now, and and I, I really want to do something that completely moves away from from some of those connotations actually even though there is a there is a musician in the book actually he just he just showed up so um but uh yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty different but yeah working on novel um um yeah yeah that, that's that's what i've got coming next <laughs> how about you are you working on something new um i've been uh playing with some different ideas i have i another book um, kind of laid out in my head. I have written um, like a con- really condensed version of the story um, in essay form, but it needs to be a book, and it's just gonna. I don't know. It seems like this super daunting thing that's kind of always nagging on me at, at me, and I haven't really started working on it. But it's gonna be kind of a. I want to try and make it like a true crime slash uh, Jesus' son kind of weird hallucinatory thing about um, just working with my second cousin and being black sheep of our family and examining my family's uh, history with um, the mafia and trying to find out what's true and what's not. Just kind of, I would hear these different rumors. Um, when I was oh, yeah, up. like the Wyoming Mafia or something, or like that you got connections back <laughs> east? Um, yeah, it was like the Wyoming Mafia, so my grandpa, I mean, he's on this 60 Minutes episode. Really? Where, That's... You know, Dan, uh, yeah, Dan Rather, basically, I mean, it was, you know, it was like basically, it's it's kind of looking back on it at the episode, It's it's like classic. Um, kind of 70s, uh, ill, ill-researched investigative journalism because a lot of it's based on, it's kind of like, you know, like, um, he said, she said type stuff where there's like uh-huh, a uh-huh. ex-cop making all these accusations and my grandpa kind of denying them, but also like, since I know my grandpa or, you know, knew him and can kind of read his mannerisms. I think he maybe gets caught up in, you know, some certain questions like um, having connections to these, I don't know, shady shady people in Arizona and different stuff. Um, it seems like he kind of gets caught up in his own words and uh, his confidence gets shaken a little bit. So I definitely think there's, you know, some type of shadiness and wow. sort of stuff like that and, just kind of the legacy that, you know, you put that type of 60 minutes. I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's going to have a huge effect on someone anywhere, but like, you know, you introduce that into like a small town habitat and it just like takes on this, it's just magnified, you know, times a million. So it's just like, that's the reputation that you're basically part of the mafia. Um, And then, so I'd kind of hear that stuff as I, when I was a kid and brush it off. And then um, I was working for my second cousin and we both just like, um, he was much older than me. And so he's kind of like my mentor and 
getting fucked up, basically. He'd give me, you know, Percocets and Oxys and stuff, and uh, we'd chase it with booze and, you know, uh, just get completely hammered in his apartment. And he'd just tell me these stories that, you know, I, I just could not make heads or tails of, and I still can't because, you know, it's through that lens of, like, I can barely even remember that time, and so I just have these weird kind of race-like stories in my brain that I need to find out whether or not they're true. Um, one is um, one of the men who, one of the guys who tried to put a hit on Al Capone, um, his last name wasn't Selmy, and so my cousin would tell me shit like we were related to this guy, and that was kind of our, like the root of our mafia connection. And I have no idea uh-huh. whether or not that's true. <laughs> wow, that sounds fun to kind of poke through that, make use of what you think you remember and remember and imagine. And all that. Yeah, I like that. I like that stuff. Yeah, so it should be. Um, I mean, it's a pretty daunting project, a lot of research, but it should be. Um, yeah, it should be cool. But right now, I've just been writing a kind of uh, music essays and really kind of getting into the critical side of things and um, I don't know, thinking about different bands and their, you know, specific cultural moment and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, Yeah, it's... uh, a lot of fun, do that kind of, you know, close reading of a album and, you know, just really try and pay attention to every nuance. I feel like that's part of the payoff is just, I can tell myself like, oh, it's under, you know, it's under the guise of work to where I can just really listen to this album as closely as possible and kind of like you said, try and describe these just super huge, aggressive sounds that, you know, rely so much, so much on the direct impact and being in the moment and, you know, trying to describe them in writing, even though it's you know, kind of a doomed enterprise in some ways, uh-huh. still a fun thing to do. Oh, sounds great. Yeah. Curious to, curious to read uh, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, man, uh, that's really, um, all the questions I had laid out for you. So I just wanted to thank you again for talking with me and sharing those uh, super interesting stories. Um, so once again, thanks to our listeners, uh, Rare Bird Radio. Um, I'm JJ Anselmi, author of Heavy and uh, of a conversation with uh, Sean Madigan-Hain, uh, author of The Amazing Memoir, um, songs only you know.